Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs Construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Marlowe, and today I am joined by newly elected state comptroller, Sean Scanlon. Welcome to the BizCast. Great to be here. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I think we have a lot of really important things to talk about, including some deadlines coming yeah. up for our small businesses in the state. But first, let's talk, start by talking a little bit about what you do. What does the Comptroller do here in the state of Connecticut? Well, most people don't know, so I'm glad <laughs> that you asked. But basically, the Comptroller is the chief financial officer of the state, sort of the chief financial guardian of the state. Uh, we pay the bills, we negotiate all of the health insurance and retirement benefits for our state employees, and we sort of serve as the auditor of the state to make sure that we're doing the right thing when it came to our budget or our finances. Uh, and I'm about five weeks out of the job and loving it so far. Yeah, something that you've kind of been passionate about um, at growing up here in Connecticut. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I don't know that anybody ever dreams about being the comptroller, <laughs> but um, I served in the legislature for eight years. And while I was in the legislature, I chaired both the insurance committee and the tax writing budget committee. And so those two committees are really the two committees that work the most with the comptroller. Um, I got to know Kevin Lembo, who was our comptroller for 10 years. Uh, and through working with him on policy, I became sort of really interested in what the office did. Um, he surprised a lot of people in December of 2021 when he announced that he had to step aside because of a health condition. Uh, and when he left, I got a lot of encouragement from people that we had worked together with to take a shot at it. And I ran and I won and now I'm doing the job. Awesome. But in terms of, you know, you are a, a Connecticut native, yeah. so you're passionate about seeing the state succeed. Tell me a little bit about your, your upbringing and work Yeah. There. So I grew up in Guilford. My dad was a police officer. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And then, like a lot of families, my folks split up when I was six. And so my dad moved back to New York, where he was from. And my mom uh, raised me as a single parent, but as a small businesswoman. And uh, for the first couple years of my life, we had a lot of tough times. And I saw my mom struggle a lot. And... Uh, that's honestly what made me want to get involved in politics, uh, specifically when it came to healthcare. Uh, my mom really had no insurance as a small business owner. She would get sick and try to not to go to the doctor. And if she got sick, she would have to go and pay cash. And it's kind of one of those things where you realize, you know, hey, this system is a little bit broken. Uh, and the older I got, the more I realized that it was not just her, it was a lot of people. And so even a lot of CBIA members that you uh, you know, represent today struggle with the cost of healthcare. They struggle with the cost of prescription drugs. And so that's why I originally ran for office. I was 27. Uh, most people have thought that I had no chance of winning, but I worked pretty hard. I, uh, you know, ran in my district that I had grown up in and, uh, and ended up winning that race and a couple more after that. And um, I've really focused on healthcare uh, in the time that I've been in politics because I think it's the really important issue that affects literally everybody. Um, and it's the system that I think we need to spend a lot of time fixing and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> and um, you know, you have a family here. You're kind of looking to see the state succeed long term. Yeah, I love Connecticut. I mean, I'm so proud of of growing up here, and it's a state that um, I love. And you know, when I ran for comptroller last year, uh, traveling around the state and sort of getting to all 169 cities and towns and seeing the great things that people do every day was was really really cool. And I am traveling a lot in this job now. I don't like to be sort of chained behind a desk. I'm the youngest person to ever have this job, and I'm trying to do it 
a little bit differently, and that means getting out there and talking to people and, and seeing exactly what we can do together um, to solve the problems that Connecticut has. And I'm working with anybody. I don't care whether they're Democrats or Republicans. Um, I just want to see Connecticut going in the right direction. For my kids, I have a three-year-old and a six-month-old. Um, I hope they want to stay in Connecticut. I hope they, you know, I hope more young people come back to Connecticut because we sort of need that next generation of people to help us lead Connecticut into the future. Are there any like small businesses that you've gone to or met with that in the state that surprised you a little bit? Well, I think what surprises people to learn is that for a small state, we have a couple different states within it, right? Um, and you know what's happening down by the New York border is very different than what's happening in northeastern Connecticut. Um, what surprises me, though, is there are so many people um, who do interesting things that nobody knows about, right? Um, really cool small business owners. Uh, you know, I've been down to Lorca, which is a woman-owned coffee shop in Stanford, and the woman started the business simply because she couldn't find a good cup of coffee, right? Um, all the way to, you know, multi-generation manufacturing companies that, um, you know, grandpa started it, dad ran it, son is now running it. Um, those kind of things really make me fired up about Connecticut because there's so many people uh, throughout our state who really want the state to succeed, and they're doing really cool work. And to the extent that I can go and spotlight some of that as the comptroller, I think it's a good thing. And as the comptroller, another issue I think that you, we've seen you get a little fired up about, um, recently wrote an, an op-ed about the state's fiscal guardrails yeah. and the importance of that. Tell me a little bit about you know, your thoughts. Well, you know, for the last 15 years or so, Connecticut has been in this sort of state of permanent fiscal crisis, and we had these huge budget deficits. We had no end in sight. There was a lot of businesses that were leaving Connecticut because they didn't feel the confidence that the state really had things under control from a fiscal perspective. And so when I got involved in, uh, you know, the budget committee as a legislator and then certainly running for comptroller and being the comptroller, I'm very, very concerned about the fact that we have made a lot of progress and we got to keep going. And sometimes in politics in Connecticut, we get into problems because politicians are very short-sighted and they sort of say, well, we've solved that problem. Now we can move on to the next thing. That's what got us into this mess in the first place. Um, and so by taking our medicine, uh, you know, my son jokingly, uh, I, I talked about this in that op-ed, which is that my son got sick, um, we gave him his medicine, and the next day he said, Mom, Dad, I don't need to take my medicine anymore, I feel better, okay? But there was still nine days that he had to take that medicine left because it's really all about taking our medicine, whether you're a toddler or the state of Connecticut. Um, and so I called very early on in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal and many sources to continue those fiscal guardrails. Well, what is that? Well, basically in 2017, we had a paralysis budget where we couldn't pass a budget. And ultimately, we ended up passing a really good budget, which was a bipartisan budget where Democrats and Republicans came together and they put in place these fiscal guardrails that are really important. It's a spending cap to make sure that we're not spending more money than we have. It's a revenue cap to make sure that the percentage of money that we are spending is not over what we're bringing in for revenue. But the third and most important one, and the wonkiest one of all, is this volatility cap. Basically the idea that Connecticut is very reliant on volatile revenue. So we have a lot of people that work on Wall Street but live in Connecticut. And when things are going well on the market, we bring in a lot of money. When things are not going great on the market, we don't. And so what my predecessor, Kevin Lembo, suggested back in 2015 and 2016 was that we should save some of that money when things are going well so that when things don't go well, we don't have to do this boom or bust budget cycle. And that budget put that volatility cap in place, which was great. And for five years, we've now had five consecutive years of budget surpluses. 
We have the biggest rainy day fund in the history of Connecticut at $3.3 billion. And more important than anything else, we've paid off almost $6 billion of pension debt, more pension debt than we've ever paid off before. The problem was on June 30th of this year, those were all going to expire. And I worked with the governor um, to call for 10 more years of those fiscal guardrails to make sure that we don't stop what's working and we keep that going. And I'm proud to say that just last week, the legislature actually voted to authorize that 10 more years of that. And I think that that fiscal progress will continue because the fiscal guardrails are still in place. And with that stability, there's more that the state can do in other areas. Um, and, well, you know, businesses that can rely on. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the governor is able to propose a budget in which he is actually talking about passing the largest tax cut in the history of the state, um, doing things that are important to CBI, like looking at the pass-through entity tax and things that um, we know that can keep the economy going in the right direction and sort of jumpstart the economy. All that is possible because we are now in this historically good position that we've not been in in probably my entire lifetime at the age of 36, okay? So I think it's really important for people to know um, that are watching this to say, hey, you know, I know that we had some rough years in Connecticut. I know that things weren't so great for a while, but we worked together, Democrat and Republican, to turn the state around. And I'm confident, especially with these 10 years of guardrails, that we can see a decade of true economic growth, which we desperately need here in Connecticut. And I'm sure the businesses that are watching this really want to see. And in terms of the businesses as well, um, you know, it's been some time now that um, you guys announced the MyCT Savings Program. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that program, and then we'll talk about the deadline for businesses. So when I think about this program, I think about my mom, right? My mom didn't have health insurance, as I talked about earlier, but she definitely didn't have retirement either. And as a result of that, she was never able to offer herself or her employees at her small business an opportunity to save for the future. And a lot of businesses in Connecticut, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about how do I pay the bills? How do I keep the lights on? How do I make my business run? Um, they're not always thinking about the other stuff. Um, and so what we're trying to do is think about the other stuff for them so that they don't have to worry about that. And my CT savings is a great example of that. So over 600,000 people in our state don't have uh, access to a retirement plan at the job that they work at. Over half the businesses in Connecticut don't offer them. It's not because they don't want to, it's because they can't afford to. Uh, and so if you're a small business like the one that my mom ran, she would have loved nothing more than to offer a retirement plan to her workers, but she just couldn't afford to do it. So what the state does through my CD savings is they say to all businesses with five or more employees, either tell us whether you offer a plan, and if you do, you're all set. And if you don't, tell us the names of your employees, and we will literally sign each of them up for a Roth IRA. They can choose if they want to save or not. It's up to them. Uh, and all you need to do is then, if they want it, to add it to a payroll deduction for them. So you call ADP, you call your payroll department, and they literally just add a deduction onto your employees' uh, you know, weekly payroll or biweekly payroll, and that's it. That's it. Uh, and so I've been traveling the state because March 30th is a deadline for all businesses with less than 25 employees to tell us whether they offer it or they don't. And if they don't, it's very quick, it's very easy, and most importantly, it's free. Um, and so uh, traveling the state, trying to talk to folks about this, um, going to different kinds of businesses to learn about what matters to them. And I'm really excited to say that for most of the businesses I talk to, almost every single one of them has had a positive experience with this. 85% of the people we've created the account for have kept it and started saving. Um, and I think over time, we will gradually sort of end this retirement gap in Connecticut and make sure that everybody in Connecticut, regardless of where you work, has access to save for the retirement. 
And for this deadline, and you know, it's important to point out, I think that the larger businesses, the deadline has already passed it for has. them. Yes. Um, you know, where they had to opt in or out. Yep. So even if a business has a plan, they still have to let the state know. Yes. Yeah, they very importantly have to let us know. And there still are some bigger businesses that have to get back to us. Um, so right now, um, you know, we're working with them trying to do this on a voluntary basis. Um, this program uh, was passed back in 2016, but it kind of was stifled for a while. And then two years ago, they actually put it under the direction of the Comptroller's Office. So we've built a good team. We have a great partner, InvestWell, that does all the investing for us. And they, they do this in a couple other states. There are six other states that do this right now. Uh, and there's a bill going to the legislature that would enable me to work with other small states in New England to sort of piggyback off of the savings that we're already doing right now to grow our portfolio and help our businesses that we're helping right now. So if we can add Rhode Island and other states that are smaller that don't have their own programs right now but want to buy into it, the more the merrier, the larger our fund is. Uh, and I think that we've just crossed a really important threshold of $2 million of assets in this program. Uh, and I think we're going to continue to see that grow. But March 30th is the deadline, and people have to know that they have to reach out to us, which they can do very easily by contacting us at myctsavings.com. And everything should be, all communications will be coming directly from, from your office. Yeah, they've gotten letters from us. I'm on the road trying to sell this thing. I literally went and learned how to make a pizza in Hartford the other day to try to promote my CT savings. And a, a guy in the north end of Hartford taught me how to make a pizza. Uh, and I'm traveling the state just trying to raise awareness about this. But most importantly, um, you know, I think a lot of small business owners, they got a lot going on. They, they can't really necessarily pay attention to all this. Um, I'm trying to make this easy for them. And the most important thing is it's free. It doesn't cost them anything. And that's a change for most businesses. When they see the government showing up, they're usually like, oh God, what's this going to mean for me? What this means for them is that they can help their employees by working with us to help them. And what um, services do you provide to kind of help the employees navigate that, right? Because normally it comes from your HR, yeah. they're <clears throat> sitting down talking to you about what your plans are. Yeah. What administrative task is it for these small businesses? Well, for us, it's, it's really, there, there is no administrative task. They just have to tell their employees that they're doing this, and then the employee makes the choice of whether they want to start saving or not. We then give them the financial tools and the literacy that they need to actually know what that Roth IRA is and, and how it works. Um, but for us, it's all about starting conversations, and people then have to make a choice of whether they want to use it or not. Like I said, 85% of people do keep it, which is great. Um, but we want to make sure we give people the tools that they need to succeed. Um, a lot of people in our state just don't know anything about this. It's sort of daunting, right? They don't know how to begin saving. They don't know how much they need to save. They don't know how it works. Um, we give them the tools to do that and hopefully get a lot of people on a path to retirement success. I and mean, what's the biggest... Um thing from business owners that you're hearing that they just weren't aware of it or yeah, yeah. they don't they don't know about it um, and they haven't heard about it and you know they're busy and they got stacks of letters that pile up and they're trying to just make sure that they're you know meeting their payroll and and getting what they need to do on a weekly basis that's why we want to make this easier for them that's why we're trying to spread the word about this and, and get out there and really talk to folks to let them know number one it's easy but number two if they have questions they can always call us at the comptroller's office or they can visit my ct savings and really find the answers to their questions so i think you kind of just answered my question but if you if right now i'm a small business owner i'm listening seeing this deadline but haven't those papers have crossed my desk yeah what should i do 
Go to myctsavings.com, call the number on there. Call me. My number is on my website. It's osc.ct.gov. Um, you can find me pretty easily on social media. I'm trying, as I said, to do this job a little bit differently, and my staff will probably kill me for saying this, but you can email me directly on that website. You can call me directly on that website, and I will respond to you and connect you to the right people, and we'll get you connected to the people that can help you get your people helped. And obviously the deadline has passed for some of our medium and larger businesses. Um, if they haven't enrolled, yeah. it's also time to pick up. It's never too late to start saving. It's never too late to work with us and we will help your businesses. Now, a lot of the larger businesses, they do offer these plans because they can afford to do that. That's great. Um, the biggest set of businesses that we're focused on right now, almost 18,000 businesses are in this wave. And so a lot of our attention right now is focused on those small businesses. 67% of the other businesses have already complied with this. So we're really focused on that new group that just got the letter for the first time in January and they have until March 30th. So we have about a month to go uh, in, until we're able to you know, work with these businesses. Got it, so they're, um, at this point, how many of those small businesses, is, is there still quite a few? Yeah, we still have a long way to go um, and, and that's okay. Um, this is a, a new program, it's a new thing. We're getting people used to it. Uh, I'm not gonna necessarily you know, freak out because we're, we're far away from our goal. Um, it's about hitting goals. This is what we do in, in the business sector. It's what we have to do in the private sector is we need to set goals, build a good team, focus our attention on what we need to do and figure out how we're gonna work together to hit that goal. Uh, and I'm confident that we're gonna get there, um, but I'm doing everything I can to spread the word and appreciate you all helping out with that. Will there be penalties? Yeah, so right now the penalty is I have the ability to take a small business to court. I don't wanna do that. Um, so there's a business uh, you know, bill that's going through the legislature right now that would enable me to put a small fine in place. Um, I would much rather do that than take a civil penalty against a small business. Again, I was raised by a small business owner. The last thing I wanna be doing is taking anybody to court. That's the only tool that I have right now. We've never used it. I don't plan to use it. Um, I think that a small fine is important, but we're gonna give businesses a lot of leeway until we get to that point. Nobody's trying to penalize anybody here. We're trying to help them help their employees, and that's my focus right now. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the you know, actual plans. Yeah. So does a, how long does a person need to be working for a business in order to kind of get enrolled in this? So right now it's 120 days, but that bill that I just mentioned, we're trying to drop that down to 60 days to get somebody saving faster. Um, we think it's important for people to do that. And the good thing about this for the employee is that this can travel with them. So uh, it's not something where you know you work at one company, they offer a 401k, and then you can never save into that 401k in the future. With a Roth IRA, you can do that at whatever job you have. So if you leave a job that uh, has this and you go to another job that doesn't have it, you can just transfer that and all you have to do is set up that with your payroll and then you're saving once again to the same IRA that you were saving at your last job. So it's simple for people who Very you know, don't know that they're going to be in this position for a long time. Sure. And that's, and that's the impediment, especially for people that are in our generation, right? Saving for retirement seems like it's a million years away, but it really isn't. Uh, and the more you can do now to save, the better. And especially if that plan can follow you at different sp spots along the way in your career, um, it's a good thing for you. And that's why we chose the Roth IRA versus some other way to do it. Okay. Anything else specific to MyCT Savings? Other than just visiting the website, myctsavings.com. Find me if you have questions. You can find us on social media um, and, and do this. And I know um, that you have a lot going on, but if you can take the 10 minutes it takes to do this, 
I guarantee you it's an easy process, it's a quick process, and your employees will benefit from this, um, which I think a lot of small business owners in Connecticut, and frankly, business owners in general, want to do. They want to help their employees. I was at a manufacturing company in Putnam the other day. They have not had anybody leave their company since offering this plan, despite the fact that um, other businesses have been trying to poach their skilled manufacturing workers, and the guy said he thought that was because he finally was able to offer a retirement plan to his employees. I think it does make a big difference. Just check it out, mycdsavings.com. All right, and 10, 10 or so minutes to get it's quick. First round it's it. quick. Yeah, it's very quick, um, and and quick and easy and free. Most importantly. Okay, we have mentioned that you've been traveling to <clears throat> different businesses. You've also been following around some employees. Yeah. Tell me about about that. So as the comptroller, I do a lot of different things, but I really am sort of the the administrator for all the state employees. And there's about you know sixty thousand people we pay every. Uh, you know, two weeks, and I thought that rather than being the guy that just signs somebody's paycheck and doesn't know what they do, uh, what kind of business owner would be doing that, right? Um, nobody that works for somebody that's in your businesses doesn't know what the person they're signing does, that they check. So um, I've been going out and shadowing different state employees every month. Uh, I've only been in my job for two months. So my first month, I went to the State Police Academy in uh, Connecticut and shadowed our recruit class that was in the 13th week of going through our police academy and then spent the afternoon with the state trooper uh, on the highway in Connecticut and really learned a lot about what they do. And it's very cool to see the next generation of people who want to step up and help Connecticut. Uh, and I'm not sure that I could have made it through the police academy, but I'm glad that they're doing it. And it was really cool to see what they do. So obviously, you know, there's somewhat of a benefit to them to be able to meet you, learn about what yeah. you do. What's the, what are you hoping to get from your perspective? I think there are tens of thousands of people who every day get up and go to work and make Connecticut run. And they're the kind of people that we don't know, they're the kind of people that we take for granted. They guard our prisons, they patrol our highways, they pick up debris in the middle of the road when there's an accident so that we can get to our jobs on time, go to our kids' uh, you know, schools on time. And I want to tell the story of these people because I think they're sort of the unsung heroes that don't get enough attention. And if I can shadow them for a day and, and learn what they do uh, and help tell their story, I think it's a good thing. But I'm also going to private sector businesses too. I'm not just shadowing state employees, I'm having a lot of fun checking out some of our great companies here in Connecticut. I went to ESPN for the first time, uh, which is a huge employer in Connecticut. I'm visiting hospitals. Even later today, I'm going to a hospital in Connecticut, really trying to understand what makes Connecticut work and what can government do to make Connecticut work better or make them do their job easier. And for a long time, I think government has not taken that approach. And as the new comptroller, I'm trying to make sure we do everything we can to sort of get out of the way when we need to and help where we can. Uh, and that's what I'm committed to doing as the comptroller for the next four years. What's the biggest thing, you know, obviously you represented one area of yeah. the state for a long time, so you were focused on those residents with, you know, an overall general picture. Yeah. But now that you're traveling to different regions, you mentioned before, you feel like there's little states. Yeah. What do you think is something that, um, that you're finding that these areas have in common, but also kind of the biggest differ difference that is can be an obstacle. Well, I think Connecticut's trying to figure out what state we want to be, right? Um, for a long time, we were the industrial center of the world. We were manufacturing, we were doing things, and there's a lot of communities in Connecticut all over the state that were these huge manufacturing hubs that the factories are gone, those jobs are now changed, and we need to figure out as a state what kind of state we're going to be. There's a lot of growth in places like New Haven when it comes to biotech, things that are the next generation of jobs. But one of the things that I'm attracted to and one of the things I want to work with CBI on is what how are we going to define the next 10, 20, 30 years of Connecticut's economy? Uh, and what can we do to prepare for that? 
a lot of that has to do with giving people the skills they need to get the new jobs of the future uh, and training people to, to take on those roles. But it also is envisioning what can we all do together to make Connecticut go in the right direction. We have to ver- diversify our economy. We have to do different kinds of things. Um, and I'm really attracted to what we can do to do that. Um, sometimes that's making healthcare more affordable. So that's something that the businesses don't have to worry about. It's saving for retirement, um, but also it's changing our laws. It's changing our tax code. It's changing the way that we think about the economy um, so that people can do what it is that they do best and want to do. And I think traveling around Connecticut and seeing all that different innovation, seeing people who are turning these old brownfield factories into business parks and co-working spaces and biotech lab space is really, really inspiring because I think that that's what's going to be the next generation of Connecticut. And whether or not we have that decade of growth is not going to be because of what government does. It's because of what people in the private sector do to take that risk to start a business, um, to invest in Connecticut, to invest in training a workforce. And to the extent that I can help with that, I want to. Awesome. Yeah, I think you know, the manufacturers that do still exist, which is so many of yeah. them, really that skilled workforce yeah. is so critical and sure. keeping those people here, yeah. you know, for all industry yeah. uh, is definitely what I think a lot of businesses are, are concerned about. Yeah, and it, we have right now a lot of unfilled jobs that, that people would hire tomorrow in that industry, but they can't find people with the skills. I was just at Mask in Waterbury a few weeks ago. It's a great facility that literally in 10 or 11 weeks, give somebody who's never done any sort of skilled manufacturing the skills that they need to go get a job that's really, really a high paying job and a very in-demand job. We can't fill those slots fast enough. Um, and anything we can do to help facilitate that is great because it literally takes somebody from maybe even live, leaving the criminal justice system uh, in high school, any number of ways that they find that way into it. If we can give them those skills in a few weeks and get them paired up with a job, we can kind of get Connecticut's economy going even faster than we are right now. We know that the small, the larger businesses are offering those retirement options, which right now, you know, is something that is when, you know, you're looking to apply for a job. Sure. That's something that's attractive to you. But do you think that the MyCG Savings Program will help make more jobs attractive? Definitely. I think for people that are thinking about retirement, it's always something that they want to see. Um, And especially for people starting out their career uh, and starting a family and and doing things to save, um, all that that we can do to give them the financial literacy and the tools that they need to succeed on the early side, I think only helps when it comes to retaining jobs and making sure that people have, uh, you know, the skills that they need to work going forward. Okay. And I know that you mentioned, you know, you're trying to be, have an open door, very uh, accessible to businesses. If businesses have already signed up or, you know, proved that they have a retirement plan, but just want to get your ear, want to show you their business, talk to you more, um, what's the best way for them to connect? Email me, sean.scanlin at ct.gov. I will go anywhere in the state. I will visit any business, talk to anybody. And if people have ideas about what we can do to help them help their employees and help our economy, I'm all ears to do it. I'm excited about talking to people about it. And I love to learn new things. I'm the kind of person who learns by seeing and talking to people. Uh, And so I'm trying to get out of the office as much as I can to different parts of Connecticut. Uh, And I'm finding it's really interesting work. There's amazing stories happening each and every day in the state of people that are doing. And if I can use the bully pulpit as one of the six statewide elected officials in Connecticut to draw attention to their work, to draw attention to what they're doing, and to you know listen to what's their challenges and, and to do something about it, I'm all ears to do it and excited to do it. So please uh, take me up on that and reach out to me directly. All right. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on this week's BizCast. Thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review and let us know if you have ideas for a future podcast. For a full list of episodes, head on over to cbia.com.